Hello, it's Caleb Paul Freeman again on my fourth episode of my Capstone Project podcast. Today's film is Roma, a Mexican movie from 2018. Director is Alfonso Cuaron. Today, we're actually recording from my house because I'm home for the quarantine and um, for the guests, I'm going to be speaking with my mother and my aunt and I'll let them introduce themselves for today and we'll start with my mom. Hello, I am Sylvia Cisneros Jaras and um, as Caleb mentioned, I am his mother and I um, am 45 years old and I was born in Hiquilpan, Michoacan, um, in Mexico. And Anna? Hello, Anna, his aunt, his mother's sister, and also born in Mexico. I've lived here since I was six years old and uh, moved to California about 15, 16 years ago. So, um, like I said, today we'll be talking about Roma. It's a film that talks about lots of different things and it's kind of difficult because as they've said my aunt and my mother haven't lived in Mexico even for the majority of their lives but they are Mexican and they have I think (laughs) it's just funny how you're like and they are Mexican (laughs) so but they they do have something to say and I had them watch the movie and um, I hope that they'll have interesting points to make so basically, the movie today talks, like I was saying, talks about lots of different points. The main things that stood out to me, which I would like to address today, are classism in Mexico based on race, the treatment of domestic employees and the relationship that they have with their employers, as well as, at the very end, I'd like to touch a little bit on the relationship between men and women and maybe talk about the phenomenon that we know today as the machismo phenomenon. Um, first, I'd like to, just to start off, I'd like my aunt and my mom, Anna and Sylvia, I'd like you guys to talk about your initial impressions of the film and, and what stood out to you, what made you think, what did you like, what did you not like, just in general. That's a lot of questions. Um, okay, well, I'll go first. Um, originally, I just remember thinking this is kind of slow and kind of almost a little boring, but um, um, on reflection afterwards on the movie, I started realizing how symbolic it was and how all the little tiny things that they were showing, um, as little and as insignificant as that they might have seemed, um, afterwards I started realizing how important and how symbolic it all was. Um, and it was exactly that, that it was trying to um, emphasize the the importance of what the the servants roles were and um that was their basically their everything so that was that was my first impression basically what about you Thea? um it was uh a slow movie (laughs) kind of boring but at the same time enough to kind of keep you in tune because you kind of want to you're interested it it kept you attention to real, to just kind of like say, well, I wonder what's going to happen next to this poor girl. Um, only because it's almost like it, it was expected that something terrible was going to happen to her. Um, so that's what kept my attention, only the curiosity of seeing if something was to happen to her. Um, but other than <laughs> that, I didn't see anything like so exciting about it. Mm-hmm. So the film is actually, so Alfonso Cuaron, the director, 
it's a kind of semi-autobiographical film. So this is about him kind of, you know, he's supposed to be, this is basically the situation that he kind of grew up with. Mm -hmm. His family are more affluent. They are of European descent. That's the first thing. So speaking of classism based on those kinds of things, the first thing I noticed, for example, in the film is that the family are lighter skinned and Cleo and her other friend who help in the home are darker skinned. They're actually, you know, more indigenous. And you automatically see this difference. And we see that the family are successful people and the father's a doctor and they have three cars and they And don't. she's a living live maid, maid. Yeah. nanny, housekeeper. So that, so that was kind of the first, speaking, you know, as we talk about things that stood out to first, that's what stood out to us, to me first anyway. Um, so there's, <clears throat> obviously there are lots of things going on, like my mom was saying, lots of symbolism and things like that. But what I found interesting, so this is something that I kind of have been learning about recently in more recent years. I had no idea that there was such diversity in Mexico, you know? I had no idea. I took a Latin American cultures class two years ago in school, and I had no idea up until then that there was so much European involvement in Mexico and in um, South America and Central America. And because of that... Maybe have... in 1970 when the movie was filmed, mm -hmm. but my time that I've been in Mexico and my time that I've been there and traveled and from state to state and met locals from different states. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that much of an influence, and that was only, I would say, 10 years ago. But maybe in 1970, 1960, maybe there was a big influence when this when this movie took place in. Uh-huh. What do you mean influence? Influence on what? Well, like what you were saying, you know, as far as the different classes and how they were all treated mm -hmm. differently based on your interpretation of what you saw in this movie. But... The difference between the classes was a lot more dominant back then back than it then. is now. Of course, it isn't the case anymore. It, I didn't know. see that. Of course, but there is the fact that people who are of lighter skin, for example, tend who have tend to European ties or have European ancestry, are more successful, do have more privilege, do go to better schools, yeah. have better jobs. I think that is still very pre prevalent today. There's yeah. a lot more. Um, yeah, there's a lot more privileges. I think that you know. That's a whole other topic we can get into. I think that it's it's kind of sad that um, it was easier. Like back then, if you were, let's say, 100 years ago or um, just basically any time from 50 years to back, any further back than that, um, I think it was kind of sad to see how there would be a lot of other people from other countries go into these other countries. And, and I know a lot of these... Um, Latin America countries and other countries mm -hmm. have gotten um, colonized by other people from Europe. Um, you know, I know that's happened in all history, um, but it was definitely easier for them to come into all these other countries where people perhaps in their opinion weren't as civilized and just kind of um, take this dominance over them and they just presumed themselves to be better. And so you know, in, in those times, in the beginning, it was definitely easier for them to just go in and dominate over these people. And like we were saying, clearly that isn't the case now because, you know, people have a lot more opportunities of all um, races, mm -hmm. um, even in Mexico. Um, but that did affect the way that things are today, though. Yeah, that's how it For example, when you have Spaniards or French people come to Mexico and they establish, they take over the land... They establish haciendas and they have their own kind of serfdom, you know, where they have serfs and they are the landlords. 
these people stay in positions of power and influence, and they still today, a lot of, for example, I was speaking with my friend Jessica, who's from Mexico City, a lot of the people who live in La Zona Rosa, Polanco, all these places that have more money, La yeah. Colonia Roma, which is where they live, this family, La Colonia yeah. Roma, this is what happens. You have people of European ancestry who have a lot of money. Because they continue still, to stay in power. Exactly. And a lot of it has to do with And that with takes away opportunities. As well. well, they have, and now, therefore, they yeah. have better access to, they have access to better education, and that takes away opportunities from people like Cleo in the movie. True. Yeah. yeah. There's also this kind of idea of, you know, they are from different worlds, like the language separates them. So this, the actress, I was reading a thing about the actress, Yalitza. Well, there never would have been a differences in lang language had, had they, they not. Had they not imposed Spanish. Yeah, on, had they never just come over and literally imposed that, you know, they learn Spanish, like as if, you know, that was the only language mm -hmm. that but we, have was to keep, we have to keep remember that this also happened all around the world. That's, That's what I'm always saying, this, yeah. So, you know, so people, obviously, this is colonialism has taken place in lots of different countries all around the world. Basically, to get back to your point, was that the language um, separation. And that still happens today. Yeah. So, happens for example, today. Yalitza, the actress, she was talking about how she is from parents who speak Mixtec, who are from Mixteca parents, mm -hmm. but they didn't teach her Mixtec as she was growing up because they didn't want her to, it didn't, they didn't want her to influence her learning of Spanish because there is a stigma still today about yeah. people who don't speak proper Spanish because they have focused too much on indigenous languages or they have an accent or they don't speak properly because they mm -hmm. never learned Spanish fully but they don't speak Mixtec fully either or another indigenous language mm -hmm. and there are you know like my friend was saying Jessica there's name calling there's a stigma and it keeps them from learning other you know um, from being able to access, a, from getting ahead or access different employment. Right. And it probably affects their self-esteem and... Yeah. Like but that's sad because unlike everything else, that also has been imposed on them. Mm -hmm. That was impulsed, you know. And, well, and because of that, a lot of these indigenous languages are dying still today. Because they that's are forced to adapt. They are being forced to adapt. And it's sad because I'm sure that there's a lot of families that, um, you know, very strongly want to hold on to their native language. They want to hold on to their cultures, their customs, and, you know, the the way of that life because they don't want it to get lost. But at the same time, they struggle with making that decision and, and having to adapt to the modern world so that they can get ahead um, because they're not uh, afforded those luxuries if they don't. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. You know, I was talking to... To, it's uh, to Jessica, my friend, this morning, and she was talking. We were, she, I asked her a few questions about this, um, and she was telling me, you know, yeah, there is a lot of shame that is attached to that, you know. And I even told, share her my experience. For example, growing up, you know, my mom, mom, you tried to really speak to us in Spanish, and you always told us that we were super. As we got older, we were super. Uh, diff it was difficult to continue to speak to us because mm -hmm. we refused and we didn't want to. We were yeah. going to schools where we spoke English and none of our friends maybe spoke Spanish and it was almost embarrassing, you know? And I think even in my own life, you know, you get that experience where it's embarrassing and you don't want to and so you stop and eventually... Absolutely, society plays a big role in it, yes. Well, what is... Well, so what is that role? So... Well, like you said, embarrassing. Yeah. Who made you embarrassed? Other children that didn't speak the language, so they made fun of you if you were to speak the language. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I know um, we grew up only speaking Spanish, obviously, and it wasn't until we moved to the U.S. that we learned English. And even then, it was.、Uh, I remember being made fun of、uh, yeah. as I was learning how to speak English. And、um, just a a quick little instance of that was like I couldn't understand why when the kids would ask my name, I would say Silvia, and they would repeat Silvia. And I couldn't understand why they were not able to. Why wouldn't they say it?、Correctly? Why wouldn't they understand that my name wasn't Sylvia? My name, and at the time I was, you know, seven years old. So obviously, in my own head, I couldn't understand why they didn't understand what I was saying. Why they didn't say it、mm-hmm. correctly? Yeah. Yeah.、Um, another、um, example of society making you feel less than is just like what Caleb was saying. Earlier, he was embarrassed and maybe at times ashamed to speak Spanish.、Um, you know, just on an everyday basis, I would go out with my children who were blonde, and I am not a very dark Mexican, but nevertheless,、um, my children look more white than they do Mexican, and I would always constantly get. Comments and I would get looks and I would even get asked if I was their nanny and so you know that kind of over time started making me feel like you know what I don't want people to see me less than and so it it you know I didn't want to not speak Spanish to them but it also kind of helped influence you know when the children started fighting back about wanting to speak Spanish I kind of gave up it was easier for me to give up because I had all these other pressures. From society making me feel less than for you know speaking to them in Spanish. Not that being a nanny is less than, but I mean I think there's nothing a, wrong with being a nanny. But in today's day, is、well, a very well paid job. Yeah, but well, I her being my、nanny. mother, she, yeah, she's right, not right. there. She wasn't our nanny. Well, also, but I think just like the film does a good job of showing this as well. I think. Maybe in a different time, like you were saying, Thea, there is also a stigma towards that type of work. You know, absolutely. You're the help.、Um, you're the help. Exactly. And nobody wants to be the help. You know, well, nobody wants、right. to be seen like my mother was saying less than simply because of the job that you have. Yep. And that is a big part. You know, I think going back、well. to the movie, what I also saw was that she was, like you said, called it the help. But in a lot of ways, it's almost like towards the end of the movie. The once the husband left and the wife realized that she was alone in this motherhood parenting role, it's almost like she took Claire. What was her name? Claire. 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 Looks like she took her in, not necessarily as help, but also took her in as maybe even. She started showing more respect and more love and more、mm-hmm. appreciation. Appreciation that she was there. You know, Whereas you I don't noticed... see that before when their marriage is crumbling, when、yeah. she's stressed out about that, she, she, she yells at her and she yelled at her and treated her and treated her like the employee.、Mm-hmm. But、she、now that、object. she's alone and she's realizing, wow, I wouldn't make it without this individual here in my home helping.、Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I better show a little more respect and appreciation. And yeah, I noticed that towards the end of the film. So yeah, and how does that change from the beginning? So we were saying she. I think because her financial situation changed. You notice how she said, "Oh," when she was telling the children that her dad, their dad wasn't coming back.、Mm-hmm. And I think her financial situation changed. She went out and bought a new car. No, it wasn't a new car. You notice it was used. 
We don't know that. The okay. point is she went out and got a different car. <laughs> I think because her husband and took her, the car. No. And now she's left with maybe... And she went on vacation. You don't do that if your financial situation changes. <laughs> Not necessarily. I wouldn't call her going to the beach on vacation. Whatever. But I think she she did those things in the movie to find a good, glory, happy place to tell her children that their dad wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. Right? And that she was going to find another job. And that she got another job in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Right? So but now she's realizing I'm a single parent. And without this young person in my home helping, I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So before that happens, so, so what What did you notice from the film that... I think that before it was like she was... Was she was so- slob. She was a slob. She was. She thought she was the Heidi Mighty Power. You know, mm-hmm. I got a happy family with a pink fence. I got a husband who, bring, who brings in so much money. You know, and if I can afford the help and I can be lazy and go make call in the office for twenty minutes and not worry about my children, I can do that because guess what? My husband's out working twelve hours a day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she takes advantage of the help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before that's what I saw in the beginning of the movie. Okay. Towards the end, I think it was more of a partnership. I don't think that I don't think that these people look as their na- look at their nannies or their help as someone they can just take advantage of, even though they do. They just see it as that's what I paid them for. It they allows me to be as lazy They're entitled as I want. Because yeah, they feel entitled. I pay exactly. them for exactly. that reason. Exactly. So I don't think that they are necessarily there to like out to take advantage of them, they just honestly believe that they can do what they do and ask them to do what they do and ask them to do as much as they do because that is what was agreed upon and that is what they are paying for. And they can, if they can afford that luxury, you don't necessarily need to call her lazy, but it's a luxury that she can afford. So whatever she wants to do with right, that right, extra but time, you know, but towards the end of the film, she no longer has that luxury. Now she's got two jobs. So the situation obviously changes, and that's kind of funny because as her situation is deteriorating, as her husband is leaving, Cleo tells her she's pregnant, you know, Cleo still, I think, messes up in her eyes, but she doesn't lash out at her as much. When she tells her she's pregnant, she actually insists on helping her and taking her to the hospital, Yeah. and she insists on keeping her as an employee, and yeah. she insists on the fact that the children love her. But see, her the thing is that in the her. film, we, we can't really go into detail, as your mom was saying, as to what the agreement was, mm-hmm. because we don't know. In the whole film, I did not see this young girl, who's probably 17 years old, take time to herself, except for at the beginning of the film, when she goes to have a have some lunch with her, with friend, her friend and, and her... And those guys it's showed funny. up, and they went to the movie. Well, we are talking about the 60s or whatever. Where right. There are so from no... the morning that she gets up, she yeah. wakes up those kids. You even from the night. Like, she well, takes there... them to school, and she and picks them up. And exactly. She... See, that to me, that's... That's uh, that's because there was that's no... That's not an eight-hour shift, or that's not yeah. a you know ten-hour shift. Once again, that's what they hired her for. But then again, we don't know what they're paying her because if they hire... It doesn't hi- matter. That doesn't matter. The point is they hire her to stay there and that's why she lives there so that she can be on hand 24 hours a day. That was their... Ex- it seems there, like that's there the were, family's there expectation. There were no... There were absolutely... Yeah. There were... Uh, that was right, the family's but, but what I'm saying is Regardless that... Regardless of how, however much they paid her, it doesn't matter. That's what they paid her, that's what they paid her for. Whatever... The, 
that amount was, that's what they wanted from her. And unfortunately, well, this doesn't happen today. Is what I'm trying she to say. Feels like well, we she know that this is the 50s or the 60s where there were no regulations. There were no mandated. Well, that's the thing rules. that these. It still was like that up until last year. Yeah. I'm sorry, regardless of what you believe, these abuses were still happening up until, and probably are still happening today. Even, even though, well, they happen here in the U.S. The thing so. is, the thing is, nowadays, you know, even if you can't afford to hire someone 24 hours a day, obviously there's regulations that are against that. There weren't back then. Yeah, but that's what I was trying to point mm -hmm. out. In the film that I noticed, like not once did mm -hmm. she have time to herself. She probably got one day a month they didn't to care. herself. They didn't care about that. There was, well, they're like you were saying, yeah. So no abusing of the whole time that she needed, you know. Um, it, it, yeah. yeah, like what you were saying, it just goes to show that if they were able to abuse the system, which there was no system, then why not? Mm -hmm. Um. I think that, you know, uh, as far as the abuse that you were just mentioning about, them taking advantage or abusing, you know, her um, in her capacity as a, as a servant, basically, um, I feel like that throughout the movie, it was nice to see how um, there were, at times, she was very close and affectionate with the children, and at times, they would kind of let her in on the family um, events, or even just like when they were watching TV, they would let her sit down, but the moment that she needed to do something, or the kids needed something, it was like, okay, yeah, you know, we love you, but you're still just our maid, and you have to go take care of the laundry, or you yeah. have to go take care of that. It became so, a routine. So, you know, I'm sure that there was no way to avoid getting attached to the kids. There was no way to avoid um, feeling like a family member, but at the end of the day, I'm sure there were always those... Um, she was still put in check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the time, like you were saying, the work, it's not a normal nine to five job. Right. It's all day long because they're watching that movie in the evening when the father comes home from work, you know, and she gets to sit down for a little bit, but then mm -hmm. they need her to go get more, you know, refreshments. So she, it's constant. It's, mm -hmm. it's not nine that's to five. That's why I said, like the moment they need something, it's like, oh. Thank you so much for listening to the first half of my fourth episode. Stay tuned to listen to part two.